0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. We're in week three of our series, Not Us. I want you to say those two words. Say, Not Us. Not Us. Not us. Uh, the first week of this series, I told you that nobody expects to get a divorce when they marry. But there's very few people that take the necessary measures to prevent divorce from happening. During that first week, we looked at Mark chapter 10, specifically verse 9. Where it says, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Now I told you that nothing should separate you and your spouse. Nothing should come between you and your spouse. Your parents should not come between you and your spouse. If they do, that's not biblical. Your children should not become between you and your spouse. You're going against God's word if you allow that to happen. Your spouse should be right under God. God, spouse, children. That's the divine order of the household, and that's the way it should be. So your children should not come between you and your spouse. Your friends should not come between you and your spouse, and not even you. You do not get the right to say, we are separating. When you don't feel like you can love your spouse anymore, I told you, love them with God's love. 1 John 4 and 8 says God is love. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says love never fails. Therefore, God is love. love. Love never fails, and therefore, God never fails. Amen? And and last week we looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to look at it again today. So I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And we looked at verses 9 through 12. And I explained to you, that how, when you are defending against what 's in front of you, you need someone who has your back and we had an illustration with Mandy and I, and we were up here and and she was guarding my back, and I was guarding her back and But I told you that even with your back even when your back is covered, you are still vulnerable to the attack of the enemy and uh, Last year, uh, last week we had an interesting um, uh, illustration when we had the side attack of the Velociraptor demon that, that came at us. And I, I told you that if the enemy cannot attack you from the front and he cannot attack you from the back, he will attack you from the side. He will figure out a way to come in. And that's why you need a triple braided cord. You need a triple braided cord in your relationship that when God is interwoven into a relationship, you will not be Defeated, And I spoke about the growing trend of using the God's Knot ceremony in weddings, where there's uh, uh, three strands. The purple represents the groom, the white represents the bride, and the gold repre- represents God. And how that's kind of taking the place in many weddings, uh, taking the place of the unity candle or the sand ceremony, things like that. And people are using the God's Knot. I've been using it for a few years in a number of different weddings. And I'm excited to tell you today that our creative arts team took it upon themselves this past week to make you a cord of three strands keychain. So everybody here today, you get one of these. Married or single, you get one. If you're married, it's a good reminder that you need to be in covenant with your spouse and with God in that relationship. If you're not married, it gives you a good reminder of what you need to be looking for. And so our creative team, they, they they worked hard this week. Some of them have, have worked their fingers to the bone, literally have blisters on their fingers from, from taking just scrap pieces and making this wonderful keychain for you. Would you let them know really quick how much you appreciate them? And so as you leave here today, as you, as you walk out of this room, um, they're going to be standing by the doors and you'll be able to take one of those and everybody is welcome. Take one, just, just take one. If, if, uh, if you want one for your spouse that is not here, um, you, you can take one for your spouse, but one per person, but married or single, take them and let them serve as a reminder of a covenant of three that we are in, or that hopefully you will be in. And I told you, at the close of last week's message that as long as Adam and Eve were in covenant with God, the threefold cord relationship, as long as they were in covenant with God, they were protected from the enemy. But at the moment that Adam and Eve left God out of the conversation, at the moment they left him out of the mix, they became vulnerable to that side attack by the enemy, and he came in the form of a serpent to speak with Eve. You have to recognize that. And so I want you to say it one more time. Say, not us. Not us. Say it again. Say, not us. Not us. What if I told you today that I was about to give you the secret ingredient for a happy marriage? W- would you sit up straight? Would you take notes? If I told you that this, this is foolproof, I'm telling you I have got the answer today that will create a happy marriage in your home. There, there's nothing else that, that can, can speak truth into your marriage more than what I'm about to tell you. And if you can do this... You will have an absolute perfect marriage. Would you take notes on that? Some of you are already getting your pen out. You're ready? Because I'm gonna give you two statements here that it's absolutely going to change your marriage. You ready for this? Are you ready for this? It's revolutionary, I'm telling you. You gotta be ready. (laughs) First one is this. To be happy with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and not even try to understand her at all. <laughs> I told you it's groundbreaking, isn't it? If you can apply that to your marriage right there, everything's fixed. Everything is fixed. There it is. It's free, no charge. You're getting a couple of free things today as you walk out. So, In preparing for this series and, and leading into this month, My prayer has been that God would tie the knots of our marriages so tight that the enemy would just give up trying to tear, that he would become so frustrated in trying to untie these knots that he would just give up. That has been my prayer for you. That has been my prayer for for us as a church that here at Destiny Community Church that our marriages will be tied so tight that when the enemy tries to untie our relationships that he would become so frustrated that he would just move on. That, that doesn't mean that he's going to stop fighting you. You need to understand that. He's going to find other areas to fight you in. But I'm tired of us losing the battle with marriages. I'm tired for the statistics being the same with believers and unbelievers. That 50% of our marriages fail. It should not be that way with Christians. It should not be that way with believers. We should understand. God's metaphor of marriage and and how he uses our marriages to show us what our relationship with him should be like. We should understand that there's grace and mercy involved. We should understand there's forgiveness. And I want us to be so tight that the knots of our marriages would be so tight that the enemy would become frustrated and give up trying to tear our marriages apart. I recently read an article about a pastor that was officiating a wedding ceremony. And midway through the ceremony, he glanced down at his very carefully prepared notes. And as he's reading ahead, he noticed a typo in the notes. And he was so thankful that he noticed it because he had accidentally written that the two, the couple, the two would be untied. That's what he had in his notes. Of course, we know that he intended to write that the two would be united. But what he had in his notes was that the two would be untied. If he had not scanned ahead in his notes, he could have blurted out the opposite of what he had intended to communicate. Because when you look at these two words, though they are extremely similar, when you look at them, they could not have more drastic meanings. It's from one end of the spectrum to the other. That, that one means it, they're tied together. They are united. And the other means they are separated. They are untied. Thank God this pastor read ahead and, and didn't read you know, verbatim what was in his notes. Because that would have really killed the wedding ceremony. I mean, it would have been awful. But, but when you look at these two words, and I want you to look at them on the screen. Look at them closely. There is only one small difference with the way that they are spelled. And it's the location of the eye, The location of the I makes all the difference in the spelling of these two words. When the I is in the wrong place in our marriages, the relationship will become untied. Let me show you what I mean by that. When one spouse or the other puts an emphasis on I, puts me on a pedestal, When I focus on me, then that marriage is in danger of becoming untied. And the problem with so many marriages today is that everybody is in it looking out for themselves. We're all way too independent in our marriages. And and that goes against what God's Word tells us to be in our marriages we're, we've got this independence that takes place and, and we put ourselves on this pedestal and we've got the eye in the wrong place and instead of being united, we are untied and we wonder what's going wrong and how we ended up here. But when two people are connected and intertwined with each other in life and in decisions, the enemy will not be able to unravel what God has joined together. That's the goal of this series. God, not us. Tie us together tight, Lord. I want to go back and read the text from last week. And then I'm going to follow with a verse from Colossians chapter 2 in just a moment that I think just speaks volumes to to this series. But I want to read first from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Same verses we read last week. Verses 9 through 12. And it reads like this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So here's the question that I have for all of the spouses in the room Are you trying to tie a knot or a noose? In your marriage, in your actions, with how you treat your spouse, are you trying to tie a knot or a noose? I want every spouse in the room to answer this question in your mind. Are you trying to tie a knot or a noose? Are you trying to hurt her or are you trying to help her? Are you trying to hang him or are you trying to hold on to him? We should be so intertwined with our spouse that if one hangs the other, we're both hung out to dry. That's how we should be connected with each other. And then you go to Colossians chapter 2 and the first part of verse 2. And I want you to listen to this heart's cry. Listen to this prayer. It says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Today, I want to give you three areas where you and your spouse, that you need to be knit together tightly in these areas. Now, I, I need to kind of just just throw this disclaimer out there because um, you need to understand where I'm at mentally right now. I've had a long couple of days at the hospital with my father and he's, he's doing okay. He had surgery yesterday. Um, but anybody that's been around an Alzheimer's patient knows that it can be quite trying at times and, and I need you to understand that when Pastor Rocky is tired, Pastor Rocky tends to get on a soapbox. I'm warning you ahead of time, I'm getting on my soapbox today. You can leave now if you want to. And I will be offended. But... <laughs> I'm getting on my soapbox. I'm letting you know that's where I'm heading. I should have warned that poor male nurse yesterday at the hospital that I was getting on my soapbox. And my wife would tell you, in the hospital situations, I'm not one to complain. I let everybody do their job and all that. But you ever been at that place where you just had enough? And we were trying our best to tell him, listen, we've all got to leave, and Dad needs a sitter tonight because of him being Alzheimer's, and he tries to get up and all this kind of stuff. And after hip surgery, he doesn't need to get up. And we've got this under control. Don't you worry about it. And he told us two or three times yesterday, the plan is, here's the plan. If something goes wrong, here's the plan. And finally, I just stopped him. I stopped Mom, and I said, can I say something? And they both looked at me, and I just I said, no, here's the plan. And I just got on my soapbox, and I laid it all out. I told him, I said, you can go to three other nurses stations in this hospital. that's had to deal with my dad for the past year, and they'll all confirm what I'm about to tell you. Now, we need a a sitter in here right away. And I just went off for a second. He walked out of the room, and um, I looked at my wife and my mom and my brother, and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for it to come out quite like that. And they all were like, no, no, that needed to happen. Within 15 minutes, there was a sitter in the room. So here's what I expect. I'm about to get on my soapbox again, and within 15 minutes, you better have your marriage fixed. (laughs) You ready? I have warned you, and you stuck around. So here we go. Pastor Rocky's tired, and I've got a lot on my heart and on my mind I want to say today, and I'm about to lay it out there. You ready? Are you ready? All right, here we go. Three areas where you and your spouse need to be knit together tightly. The first one, is finances. Now, before you turn me off, before you just disconnect from what I, I, I'm about to tell you, I want to remind you that the number one cause of divorce in America today is finances. It has been for decades, it will be for decades, should the Lord tarry. I want you to know that the number one cause of divorce is finances. So I want to go ahead and just get it out of the way. And in doing this, I'm going to step on a bunch of toes. And I don't really care today because I'm going to sleep sometime today. And I'm going to forget everything that I'm telling you right now. But you, you have to live with it. Are you ready? Here it is. Why do you and your spouse have separate bank accounts? I know I'm not talking to everybody in the room. I know that some of you, you've got this right. But if you and your spouse intentionally have separate bank accounts, then you've got it wrong. I'm going to talk to you about this because this is so troubling. This is something that I cover in premarital counseling and I think it's important for us to understand the importance of having our finances together. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Do not answer out loud. You will embarrass you, your spouse and everybody sitting around you. But do you not trust your spouse, his or her spending habits do you not trust them that much now the answer for some of you is absolutely yes so here's my my answer to that stop trying to do this on your own you need biblical counseling for your marriage and it's easy 352-472-3284 That is the phone number of our church office. I don't charge for marital counseling. You need to call and you need to set up an appointment because if you can't trust your spouse's spending habits, then there's an issue there and your marriage is going to become unraveled before sooner or later. It's going to to become unraveled and you need to get a fix on this now. But what if the reason why you have two separate bank accounts is because they shouldn't trust your spending habits? You know, often we will deflect it on somebody else, but the real reason why we want two separate bank accounts is not because we just can't, you know, they can't be trusted. It's because we can't be trusted either. I can hear the excuses now in this room. He has his bills, and I have mine. That is one of the sorriest answers I have ever heard in my life. Seriously? Seriously? That's the best that you can come up with? I'm going to read you a verse in just a moment that is going to just absolutely annihilate that. When you said, I do, your finances became his finances and his finances became her finances. At the moment that you said, I do, you're no longer working for your paycheck. You're working for your family's paycheck. Both of you, if there's one spouse working, it, you, you're, I tease my wife all the time, and I have for years, but she knows it is just a joke. I've always told her, your, your paycheck is just a drop in the bucket, and I've always said it just to get it under her nerve. Some of you are like, you did what? It's in joke, and she knows that and all that, because the woman knows. She knows every dime that I make and every dime I don't make. She knows about it. It is her money. At the moment that I, I, I go to work and I begin to earn a living, it doesn't matter if I'm a pastor or not. It is her money. It's our money together. And you should never think that you are working for yourself because when you do, the I is out of place and you're becoming untied and not united. When you start putting yourself on that pedestal and think, I earn this money, when that's your mentality, you need to realize you've got it wrong. She should not have her bills and you, your bills, or are, 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 are vice versa. It shouldn't be that way. It is our bills together. And, and when that happens, when you get that mentality and you start getting it right, it'll make you spend a little bit more wisely too, because now you're not just paying your bills out of your account, you're paying it out of a joint account. Now, now how about this excuse? You ready? She has her play money and I have mine. And that's the reason why you never play together. That's your problem. Don't get me wrong. As a man, I need an outlet sometimes, I need a hobby that I can disconnect from other things. And, and trust me, there's, there's some hobbies that I have that I, I don't want Mandy necessarily being there. I, I used to play a lot of golf. Any golfers in the room? And you can tell your pastor doesn't play golf anymore because we have nobody in the church that plays golf. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't play golf anymore. I used to play a lot of golf. I used to play a couple of times a week at least. And, and, and uh, when we moved down to Tampa... In 1999, when we moved to Tampa, I didn't know anybody, didn't have any golfing buddies. You know, I left all those guys behind, and I just didn't have any golfing buddies. And so one day I wanted to go play golf right after we moved there. And Mandy said, well, I'll go with you. (laughs) I thought, well, you know, what's the harm? You know, maybe, maybe it's a golf course. You know, there's etiquette out there. She, you know. We get out there on that golf course and uh, she's just riding in the cart. She's not playing, but, but she's riding in the cart and, and, and I start playing. And a man has an ego. I mean, uh, some of you women, you need to write this down. A man has an ego as if you didn't know, but you act like you don't know sometimes because you, you never stroke our ego for us, you know, but, but a man has an ego. And not only just because I'm competitive and it, there can be nobody around and I still want to have the game of my life. But when my wife is in the cart with me, I really want to shoot a good round of golf, you know? And so, man, tee after tee, I'm up there and I'm teeing off and I keep spraying that ball out into the woods. I tried to convince Mandy. I was like, you know, I, I know it seems like I'm supposed to hit it straight and in the fairway. But you're really wasting money when you do that. I'm getting my money's worth because you know I'm getting I get to hit the ball more than the average person. I'm out here. In the, I'm doing this on purpose, you know. <laughs> Mandy wasn't buying it, of course. And so after we had played, or I had played for a while, and she's watching me, finally I guess Mandy had had enough, and, and Mandy spoke up. I, I hit the ball, and she spoke up. And she said, "Why don't you just hit the ball straight?" I ignored her, and we went to the next hole. I teed off, and once again, I hooked the ball. And I don't understand why you're just not hitting it straight. If if that's why don't you just hit it where you're aiming? You know, it's right there. So I said, get your butt up out of that golf cart right now. I teed a ball up for her. I put a club in her hand, and I said, hit the ball. She lines up. She, you know. Does her thing up there. And she swings. Three times she missed the golf ball. Didn't hit it at all. And I'm standing back there going, why don't you just hit it straight? After she missed a third time, I said, now get your butt back in that cart and don't you say another word. I'm never bringing you to a golf course again. And I'm a man of my word and I've never taken her to a golf course again. We need an outlet. I get that. I get, your spouse can't. Play with you all the time. But who needs his play money and her play money? You know, hobbies can absolutely be a cause for divorce. Some of you are like, yeah, I know, we're about to get divorced right now because he's putting too much money in that truck. It happens. It hap- it's a financial thing, it's, it falls under that category of, uh, of the number one reason why marriages fail. Is because of finances, and it falls under that category. And when you have his play money and her play money, I promise you, you are going down the wrong path with your marriage. It needs to be in one account, and and therefore, you know when you can afford it. I, I, I can tell you this, Mandy and I, we don't hide these things from each other. If we've got the money to, to go play golf, then, then she knows I'm going to play golf. If, if we've got the money for her to go shopping, then praise God, she can go shop. Now, let me tell you, I am blessed. And some of you men right now, you're about to hate me. But my wife, she, she likes to shop. But she's not addicted to it like some of your wives. She, she can take it or leave it. And if there's no money there to, to go shopping, if there's no extra money, Mandy's fine. She, she, that, she doesn't find her identity in new clothes and new purses and new shoes. It's not where she finds her identity. Your pastor finds his identity in new shoes. I I have a shoe problem. I know I do, but but, but let's keep moving. That's not even in my notes. Let's keep going. Here's another excuse. The prenuptial agreement says that we should have two separate accounts. The very fact that you felt the need for a prenup should have been your red flag. That was your sign that you are marrying the wrong person. Either you have too many insecurities or you're marrying someone who is not trustworthy. And that should have been your red flag, that that we're not ready to get married, that I don't need to rush into this. I thank God that Mandy and I have never had enough money to make us worry about that. (laughs) I don't know. I, I can't imagine going through life in our marriage. I can't imagine having a prenup and us having to be worried about things like that. That's not marriage. That's contracts. That's stipulations. That is not what God has designed for us. In Mark chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two, say two, the two shall become one flesh. Say one. one. So, they will, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Why is it that, that God tells us to become one flesh and we're okay with, with many aspects of that except when it comes to finances? And when you have two separate accounts when it comes to your finances, you are asking God to bless something that you are trying to keep separated. When God said two will become one flesh. When we refuse to bring our finances together as one, we are leaving a very loose knot that can easily become untied. Let me ask you this. Do you want to tie the knot tight in your marriage? Do you want to tie the knot tight? Say yes or no. Yes or no. If he said no, punch him right now. Right, Dead in the jaw right now. Hear the voice of your pastor. Go tomorrow morning. Do not waste time. Go tomorrow morning. Put all of your funds into one account that both of you have access to. I'm not done. I'm Listen to the whole thing. Go tomorrow morning. Put everything into one account that both, both of you have access to. And then both of you live financially responsible for the rest of your life. That's God's design for your marriage. That means that you just can't go out and spend your paycheck without talking to your spouse because it is the paycheck for the home. It means you just can't go out and buy those new shoes. You can't go out and buy that new boat. You can't go out and buy that new purse. You can't just go out and buy a new car without having those conversations with your spouse. I've had a motorcycle for years, sold it last Sunday afternoon, sold it finally, and, and, and it was one of those things that's been paid for for years. I'm just sitting there, never, never rode the thing hardly anymore at all, and, and before I sold it, I looked at my wife and I said, do you agree on this price for me selling it? Some of you think, well, that was your motorcycle. You didn't have, No. No, it's our finances. And I looked at my wife and said, do you agree with this? Is this fair? Do you think this is, is a good deal? Do you think this is right for us? And, and guess what? I'm buying me, me a Jeep probably this week. I'm, I'm taking that money. I'm going, I'm buying me a Jeep. And before I buy a Jeep, don't you know that I'm going to look at my wife and I'm going to say, do you think this is the best deal? Some of you, your egos get in the way. Quit trying to be independent and realize God has joined you together and quit trying to separate that with his and her accounts because accountability and trust in your finances ties the knot tighter. Second thing is this. That was that was all one. Good Lord. Are we ever going to get Be knit together tightly in your children's lives. Be knit together tightly in your children's lives. Billy Graham once said, the family should be a closely knit group. The home should be a self-contained shelter of security, a kind of school where life's basic lessons are taught, and a kind of church where God is honored, a place where wholesome recreation and simple pleasures are enjoyed. The family should be a closely knit group. The enemy has enjoyed how easily men and women can become so career-focused and hobby-driven that they forget about the priority of their home. And some of you, you fall into these two categories. You are either career-focused or you are hobby-driven. And you are letting it come between you and your family. I was recently heartbroken over some Facebook posts when I realized that a friend of mine took off on a, a, a leisure trip just, just supporting a hobby that he has by himself without his family with him and he was gone for his child's 18th birthday. Are you kidding me? It's significant in a child's life. There are some birthdays you just don't get to miss unless it's an emergency situation in your life. My heart was broken over this. I got stressed last week thinking about it when I realized that for the first time in in their lives, our twins will spend their birthdays apart this next year. I said this during first service and the look on my wife's face because she had not thought about this yet, and uh, every day is becoming a little bit more evo- emotional the closer our twins get to graduation, and so I probably should have warned her first. She knows in this service because I warned her with the first service, right? <laughs> this is the first year that, that they are going to spend their birthdays apart, and I'm trying to figure out, how will Mandy and I be with one in Gainesville that is attending UF and the other one in Cleveland, Tennessee, attending Lee University? How are we going to do this? And, and the answer is, I don't know if we'll be able to do it or not. But man, it should stress us out as parents when a situation like this arises. We should be so intertwined into our families that this stuff haunts us. I remember this guy that I went to church with in Tampa, and uh, I'm not going to say his name. I didn't ask him. He would probably give me permission, but, but I didn't ask him if I could use this or not. But I remember a number of years ago, uh, he's a physical therapist, and there were some doors opening for him in the sports world. Apparently, he was good at what he did, and, and uh, doors were opening with some professional athletes. And one of the doors that opened for him is that he got to work with the, at then, it was a tennis star by the name of Jennifer Capriotti. Maybe some of you have heard of Jennifer Capriotti, some of us in the room that are a little bit older, we, we remember her. And she was competing in a tournament overseas, and her manager, which was also her dad, called this guy and said, hey, we want you to go with us overseas and uh, we're going to pay you some good money. We want you to be her personal physical therapist for this particular tour. And uh, so will you do it? And I have to tell you, church, I was so proud of this guy for making the right decision. You see, during the time that he was scheduled to be gone, it was also his daughter's first birthday. And this guy decided against money, he decided not to necessarily walk through the open door for his career. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. For some of us in the room, we look at that, and it's career suicide. And I'm not going to lie to you. There were some opportunities and some doors that slammed shut. But the doorway of his relationship with his wife and with his child, it swung wide open. There is no doubt in my mind that they were going to make it. And today they are still together and more kids. And it's just a beautiful thing. Why does that happen? Because we have to be intertwined together as spouses in the relationships with our kids Because I'll tell you, church, even when the love was not strong for each other in our marriage, Mandy and I were tightly knit in our children's lives. I'll admit to you, during the first seven years of our marriage, there were times when we stayed together because of our children. And some of you in the room, you think, well, that's an awful reason to stay together. That that puts way too much pressure on the children. It didn't put pressure on them. It put pressure on us as adults, as husband and wife, as father and mother. All the pressure was on us. Uh, We we could not imagine our lives separated when it came to our kids even though we didn't like each other very much at times. How could we possibly bring that kind of division to our home? I could not imagine a birthday party without the four of us being there together celebrating. And and that still continues to this day because even during the tough moments of marriage today, I cannot comprehend a celebration dinner after a big basketball game without the four of us being there together. I I cannot comprehend and even begin to wrap my mind around my daughter singing and playing her her guitar somewhere and us not enjoying the music as a family. Why would I want to tear apart what God has put together? We are so uh, intertwined together into the fabric of our children's lives that to understand unravel that seems sinful to me. Why would I want to do that to my family? So yeah, I'll admit it. Our kids have kept us together sometimes, and I wouldn't change it. It's an Old Testament prophecy says, and a child will lead them. Well, guess what? That prophetic message came true in our lives because there's been moments when our children have absolutely led us down the correct path for our marriage, even when we didn't love each other very much. But how many of you know that the enemy will also use your children to pull you apart he will the enemy will use your children to to play mom against dad to work on emotions the enemy knows that that right there can be something that can unite a family but he will try his best to untie it so let me tell you how you fix that mom and dad in front of your children it's a united front It is a united front. When you have have decisions that need to be made and you don't need to have those discussions in front of your kids, you go privately to another room in the house and you shut the door. You go get in the car. If you need to have a discussion and a very loud discussion between the two of you, don't do it in front of your children. You are a united front in front of your children. This is God's plan for you. This is God's plan for your marriage and you need to honor that so that your children see a united front when they see the two of you, not an untied front. And finally, be knit together tightly in your convictions. The most powerful weapon, please listen to me. This is so important. The most powerful weapon that Mandy and I have in our marriage is how tight-knit we are in our convictions. This is so important for you. I want to tell you, what I'm, what I'm about to share with you, this, these are our convictions. These are the convictions of Rocky and Mandy McKinley. These are the convictions of our household, our marriage. I am not pushing this on you. I I don't want anybody in this room to think I'm trying to push these convictions on you. Not at all, but I want to share with you some of the things that Mandy and I agree on, that these are our convictions for our household. So here they are. First of all, I don't drink alcohol, and neither does Mandy. It's not part of our lives, I'm not pushing this on you. I'm saying this is not part of our lives. We have never, since the day that we were married, we have never had one beer, one glass of wine in our household. Nothing like that has ever happened. My kids have never walked to the refrigerator to get Kool-Aid and have to move my beer out of their way. That's never happened in our household, never, because we have strong convictions and we both agree on this. Now, let me tell you something that absolutely drives me insane through counseling with couples and I've seen this more than one time. So if you think you're being singled out, it's an epidemic, and, and it needs to be fixed. But but let me tell you what I've seen. Drives me crazy when one spouse or the other comes to to my office and they have a drinking problem. They are a recovering alcoholic, and then I go on Facebook and I see that their spouse is at a party. He's got a beer in their hand or a glass of wine in their hand, knowing that they have a recovering alcoholic under their roof. That is one of the most selfish things that I have ever seen in my life. I'm not pushing my convictions of alcohol on you. That's not it at all. But what I am showing you is how selfish we become. When the eye gets out of place, it's no longer united, it is untied. And when you put yourself on that pedestal and think, well, you know what, I've had a long day. I deserve this drink. When you've got a spouse that is struggling to stay sober... You are a very selfish person. And so for Mandy and I, it's never been an issue for us. These are convictions in our household. Mandy doesn't smoke, neither do I. It's never been an issue for us. Alcohol, never been an issue. Tobacco products, never been an issue. Probably one of the strongest convictions that we have that's helped us so much. Neither one of us believe in divorce. According to God's word, we believe that there are only a, a couple of reasons, a couple of occasions that, that someone can get a divorce. And we have stood on that. There have been moments in our marriage when we probably would have been divorced, especially early on, had it not been for our convictions over God's word and believe that this is wholeheartedly true, that, that there's nothing more true on this planet than this right here. And we could not go against it. We did not believe in divorce. That's a strong conviction in our lives. Church attendance has never been an issue in our household. Never, never been an issue. I know what some of you are thinking. You're, you're, you're probably thinking, well, you're the pastor. How could that be an issue? You didn't know us before I was in ministry, when we were just church members, when we didn't get paid a dime. We were there every time the church, every time the church doors were open, we were there. Some of you, you don't have a clue what this means. These were our convictions, not yours, our convictions. Sunday mornings, we were there. Sunday nights, we were there. How many of you are thankful pastor doesn't call us to church on a Sunday night? Say amen. Be honest. Shame the devil right now. Just amen. Pastor's thankful that I don't have church <laughs> on Sunday night. Wednesday nights, we were there. Never an issue. We've never had a discussion. Never had to. Wednesday nights was church for us. Revival services we were there some of you don't even know what that means you're like what's this what's this word revival that you speak of we'll have a new building soon enough you'll figure it out trust me Mandy and I met in a church we dated attending the same church we got married in a church Our children were dedicated in a church. The last place that we will see each other will be in a church. Why wouldn't it be a conviction for our lives? Why wouldn't this be something that both of us want so bad for us and for our household? Why? These are convictions convictions. They strengthen your marriage when you have both spouses that agree. These are the standards for our home. This is what we are convicted over. Some of you, you don't have a clue what makes your, your husband or your wife's heart beat. You don't know what their convictions are. You don't know what breaks their heart. Those things are convictions. Some of you need to go home today. You need to send the kids outside to play, and you need to sit down and have a face-to-face conversation and say, let's talk about our convictions. What do we agree on? And if you disagree on some of these things, then you need to start praying for each other and say, God, direct us, guide us. I'm not saying one or the other is wrong. I'm saying you need convictions. You need some common ground together with these convictions so that you can lead your household in that direction. The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. Another translation says, where there is no revelation, they cast off restraint. You want to know why your kids are running you crazy and they're running wild right now? Why they're casting off restraint? Because there's no conviction under your roof. And when you get conviction together, when a couple finds convictions together, it will strengthen your marriage and your home. Convictions will help you tie the knot extremely tight. So, Throughout 20 plus years of marriage, Mandy and I, we have disagreed on many things. And I probably could have shared more with you, but but through analyzing our marriage, I know we have always agreed on these three things. These are the things that haven't wavered for us. In 20 plus years, I'd say that's successful. And you can't argue with success, you just can't. Tie the knot tight on your finances, your relationships with your children, and with convictions. And your marriage will stand the test of time, I promise you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person, For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.